Okay, start my recorder. So even though we're in Second uh, Corinthians, uh, Paul started the church at Corinth in Acts 16. So let's look at this again real quick. <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts 16. So uh, I haven't looked. My routine is I I try to finish my lesson for Sunday on Thursday evening. So um, I'm going to kind of get a running start at this just to remind myself. Uh, you know, our, our theme here is that we should quit living unto ourselves and start living for Christ. And uh, Kevin and I kind of had a kind of example of that that clicked with me. I don't know if it did fully with you, Kevin. But um, So Kevin and I were going to come to church Friday night to help get here early and set up for the ladies' conference. And uh, and then and then go to life issues Friday night after we set up, and uh, we we had a, a lady uh, used to come to life issues that knows me and she got my number online anyway. Uh, I'd worked out at the gym for like the first time in a month because my hips doing better. So thank you for your prayers for that. But uh, so I told Kevin, I said I really want a smoothie from McDonald's. I like their smoothies. And uh, so we, I picked him up. We're going to McDonald's. Well, this lady calls. She said, "Well, can me and my boyfriend get a ride?" So wouldn't you know? I I, I didn't want to take get them and then go through McDonald's drive-through and. So anyway, I, I wasn't able to get my smoothie. And I, I still haven't got it. But it was just a, a small example of, you know, quit living unto myself and live live for Christ. Go pick up these people that want to come to our meeting. So anyway, that was just a little thing this week that happened that made me think of... Hey, that's our that's our topic for our whole study. So, even so yesterday. even yesterday with yeah, yeah. of uh, getting help, helping Cheryl get home from the hospital and uh, everybody wanted your attention. Yeah, so the the title of our series is not just ministry, but being uh, ministry minded. And uh, so it has to do with being uh, focused on others and not ourselves. So uh, let's look here at Acts 16. And uh, Mary, let, let's start with you. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go this way. Acts 16. Just a second here. I don't think we'll... I'm, I think it's supposed to be 18. I'm sorry. That should say Matthew. I'm sorry. It should say Acts 18. And uh, I'm going to read verse 1. And then, uh, Mary, you read 6 through 11. So, uh, Acts 18.1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So, I want you to see that he came to Corinth. That's the book of Corinthians. And this is his second missionary journey. So now read 6 through 11, uh, Mary. And then they opposed themselves and blasphemed. He shook the remnant and said unto them, 
Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house and many of and 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 many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. How far was I going? Eleven. He spoke to the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Okay, and so this was, uh, you see this happen more than once in the book of Acts where Paul comes into a town and he typically goes to the synagogue and uh, this Crispus, this uh, leader of the synagogue, uh, accepts Christ. He believed on the Lord with all his house and many of the Corinthians believed and they got baptized. So this is the start of this church at Corinth and uh, God told him that uh, he has much people in this city and uh, he was there for how long does it say in verse 11 a year and a half half. he was there so he was discipling the church was growing he was with them this was his second missionary journey and then if you look down at verse 19 he left there he came to Ephesus and uh, and then jump over to Acts 20 and we'll read verse 5 and 6 if you can go to Acts 20 and let's look at verse 5 and 6 Yeah, so the, this little phrase Troas comes up. So, so let's go to Second Corinthians now, because that is what comes up in Second Corinthians. So we'll, we'll get to our study here in Second Corinthians now. I wanted you to see that uh, that Paul went through Troas there, because that's what he mentions here in Second Corinthians chapter two. <clears throat> If I could get this start getting here, time down on me. Uh, we'll, no, let's just do Second Second uh, Corinthians. Let's see here. So I wanted to just. Uh, hey, Randy. Sarah. See if we can get a. We can make them come up front. Mary, you can sit up here and I can scoot over. Okay. Okay. We'll make room. No worries. 
There's Brian. I do too, so I'm Hey Brian, sit up here. Is Kaylee with you? Okay, just you. Right on. Is that Kaylee coming? No, okay. Hey Sarah. Morning. Do you get the kiddos settled? Yes. That's a little bit of a hurdle. Yeah, we have his niece with us today too. Okay. And Spencer and yes. Savannah. Okay. Well, good. So this is uh, Randy and Sarah. Uh, so you'll meet him here in a minute. Uh, Chuck, can you get them a handout for me, brother? Hopefully, we got enough. Is there two there? I can't. I think I did twenty this time. So. Uh, all right, we are in the book of Second Corinthians, and uh, this is the title of our series. Yeah, I guess we didn't get Brian one either. We're talking about being ministry minded, and uh, anyway, uh, just uh, thinking thinking of others, and uh, I wanted to give you. I don't know if you can see this clear back there, Belinda, but this was kind of my chapter outline. This is kind of a topic of each each uh, chapter of the book of Second Corinthians. And it, uh, today we're going to finish chapter two, but we finished chapter one a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about uh, consolation in ministry. And uh, Paul said the suffering and the tribulation he went through, uh, that God brought him through, was so that he could minister to others himself. And uh, so that's just a good ministry principle, isn't it? Sometimes maybe we don't know what we're going through, but you know, other people are watching us and they see how we suffer. You know, are we going to trust God through our difficulties? And uh, that that's encouraging to others, isn't it? And I don't know if you remember just the thing that. When I was a new Christian, a guy I worked with, uh, he was like a youth leader of a youth class, and him and his wife lost a baby to that uh, uh, crib death. And uh, anyway, uh, they were Christians, they're doing what's right, and their baby dies, right? And uh, but within a year, a friend of his that was lost, him and his wife lost their baby, and so they were really able to minister to that other family because they had lost a child too. So anyway, we 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 said that that's a little bit how Job was. Job was involved in a spiritual conflict. And uh, he suffered really through no fault of his own, but it, it ministers to us today still. So anyway, uh, so chapter 2 that we're looking at today, obedience in ministry through forgiveness. And we, we talked quite a while last week about how that uh, this guy was in the church at Corinth and he was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And... Uh, and Paul, Paul kind of got on to him, you know, you can't let this continue. This is sinful. You know, if this man doesn't repent, he needs to be put out of the church uh, for fornicating with his stepmother. 
And so they did that, and now in, in this chapter, the the previous verses from today, uh, he said, you know, this guy's repented, now you need to forgive him and welcome him back uh, as a believer. And so that that's what they did. So uh, this chapter has been a lot about forgiveness, but we are down to verses 12 and 13. And uh, Jaime, if you'll read chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 for us. Furthermore, when I can't come to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened, I of the Lord. I have, I have no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from, the, from them into Mexico. Macedonia. Macedonia. Yeah. Well, good. So that, that's just a little bit confusing, but Paul's telling about his story that he came to Troas to preach the gospel. And what does he say there at the end of verse 12? What, what happened to him at the end of verse 12 there? The door was open. Yeah, what does that mean? A door was open to him. And we we all came in through this door today into this room. What does that mean, like for the gospel's sake, though? Somebody was open to hear it. Yeah, somebody was open to hear the gospel message. Yeah, or even a, a people group or a town or. Um, I don't know if uh, I had I had a class on a mission. Uh, some of you know th- this church was started out of the Kansas City Baptist Temple, and they had a their own Bible institute. It was called the Shepherd School of Ministry, and and uh, Pastor Brian graduated from the Shepherd School of Ministry in 1998, and I graduated in the year 2000. So that, I kind of knew Brian from that. But we had a missions class, and you were you had like a list of books about missionaries that you had to uh, you could you could pick any book that you wanted to read about missionaries so it, it was a world's missions class and one one of the things that was said is that that there's a key to reaching cultures uh, and so uh, the man that led me to Christ uh, Royal Sloganbush, some of you know him, he goes to this church as well. But, uh, he, he recommended a book, um, it was called Peace Child. And, uh, the, the guys that wrote it was Don somebody, but, so he was a missionary to, like, New Guinea in the 50s. And he had a burden to reach uh, people in New Guinea. I, I think I'm saying this right. But as he told the story of Jesus and how Judas betrayed Jesus, in the story he tried to communicate the gospel message, the people there thought Judas was like the hero, like he must be a very wise person to be able to betray his friend because this this tribe was kind of at war with other tribes. And so he really struggled how to get the gospel to these people. And uh, But uh, when there was a war, the one tribe killed like one of the sons of the chief of the other tribes. And the way that peace was made... Some, somehow one person from the victory tribe 
like loaned one of their children to the chief that lost his child. So that that's the whole story of this whole book, Peace Child. And the key to that culture was now this Don, whatever his last name was, in his mind he's like, these people connect peace through sacrificing one son for this other people. And he was able to communicate the gospel. That was his key to the culture. That was his door of, of utterance. Like Paul is saying, he had a door was open to him that he could preach the gospel at Troas. Whatever that key was, whatever that door looked like, Paul, whether it was because he was Jewish, you know... Uh, Maybe your nationality might be part of the key. You know, when I went into the jail, people automatically respected me because I was older. Just being older gave me some clout. Like, he might have a little more wisdom. He's been down the road further than me. Clean cut, too. Huh? Clean cut. Maybe. Whatever... <laughs> Whatever it was, people just automatically listened to me. Uh, but anyway, so as you talk with people, try to you know identify what that key is uh, that we can uh, communicate uh, Christ. So uh, tur- turn with me now to the book of Revelation. And uh, Jim and Sherry, I'll, I'll probably have you guys read here. I want to talk about this door just a little bit more from Revelation chapter 3. And I gave you verses uh, 7 and 8. So chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And this is uh, talking to a church of Philadelphia. You've heard of... I mean, our country has a a city named Philadelphia. And and what what does Philadelphia mean? Brotherly love. Brotherly love. It's a city of brotherly love. Well, it came from this uh, ancient city of uh, Philadelphia. So it actually came from a Latin term, phileo. Yeah, phileo. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's exactly good job, Kevin. So uh, Jim and Sherry, verse seven and eight. All right. All right. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right. These things saith he that's holy, he that's true, he that hath the key of David, he that shutteth, or I'm sorry, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Okay, uh, verse Yeah. Know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. All right, so there's at least uh, at least two or three things here about uh, getting an open door. Uh, I gave, I told you that sometimes there's a key to opening that door, and uh, certainly these would be part of it because God is telling this church, "I have given you this open door because you keep my word." So, if you're going to get an open door, we need to keep God's Word. Amen? Amen. And, and, and what does that mean, to keep God's Word? Obey it. Obey it. What else are you well, Love uh, no other God before God and yeah, love your neighbor. Love, love God. and. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's even I mean uh, <coughs> David was a keeper of sheep he, he kept she- so it, it takes work uh, you mean you have to kind of know God's word uh, you know our famous verse for life issues is to keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life so in order to keep our heart means it has to be important to you doesn't it if, if we're, if we're going to keep God's word it's like it's, we're going to have to read it we're going to have to know it we're going to have to work at it we have to be diligent we're to study to show ourselves approved uh, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth so there's a keeping and then uh, it says not to deny God's name he, he said I know your works I'm going to open this door for you and uh, you've got a little bit of strength and I'm going to do it because you kept my word and like Kevin said we haven't denied his name and you know uh the the thing that's different between like Peter and Judas, Judas betrayed the Lord, but Peter denied Christ. He he denied three times, uh, and then the cock crew. And, but the difference is, after Judas betrayed Christ, he went out and hung himself. But Peter, he it says he wept bitterly. He he repented, and the next time you see Peter, he's preaching at the day of Pentecost. So uh, he was able to tell Jesus they loved him three times after the night. Yes, yes, that, that was. Uh, you're right. He did see Jesus, and Christ asked him if he loved him three times, and it's probably connected to denying three times. You're right. And then uh, look at verse 20 here. We're in Revelation 3, and uh, we skipped over Brian. Brian, why don't you read 3.20 for us? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Yeah, so now this is a different church. This is the church at Laodicea where they're lukewarm. And uh, they, they kind of make God sick. He wants to spew them out of his mouth. And he says, I'm knocking at your door. And if you hear my voice you know, and open it, I'll, I'll come in. And the thing that kind of clicks with me, and maybe you'll remember this. I don't know if motel rooms are still like this. But um, when we traveled as kids, uh, I think I remember my parents getting two rooms that are side by side. And there's like a door between the two rooms. Have you seen those motel? But usually there's like a door on each side. So even though you can go between them, you know, this person opens his door and this person opens his door, then, you know, us kids could run between them, right? Well, I feel like that's kind of how it is. Is like God's over here and we're over here and he, he, his door's open. He wants to come in. He's knocking on our door, right? But we have to, and he wants to come in and sup. He wants to have fellowship and, and eat and dine with us. So it's really a sweet thing there, but it's kind of a condemnation, uh, that, that almost sounds silly that there's a church where Jesus is on the outside of it, doesn't it? The church at Laodicea was like that. He's like, you guys think you're rich and increased with goods and don't need anything? But the way I look at it, you're, you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind, you're naked and wretched, you're, you, uh, and I need to, I need to come in and help you with that. So, anyway, uh, there's just two examples in the same chapter about this door. And, uh, does anybody remember what that little MP means? 
What is that little MP? It's a ministry principle. Ministry principle. And so my ministry principle there is that uh, God has to open the door. So that's what Colossians 4.3 says. We, we don't need to necessarily go there. But let, let's go back to 2 Corinthians uh, now. 2 Corinthians. And uh, w- one thing else it said that, that Jaime read in chapter 2 and verse 13 was that he, he didn't find Titus his brother it says he didn't he didn't have any rest in his spirit because he couldn't find Titus his brother and and you know when when Jim started our class Jim gave announcements and he, he said you know there's many things we need to be praying about and and he he always mentioned Shane Watts and uh, you know there's been several deaths in our in our church uh, recently and uh, but uh, Paul's like. Uh, <clears throat> You know, Titus, my brother, I don't have, you know, Titus is not here with me. I need Titus. And, uh, I guess I feel that way a little bit about Pat Lee. Pat, Pat's not with us. He, he's caring for his mother. And he, Pat's not feeling very good himself. And, and he kind of wrote to me about that in an email this week. And it's like, man, it's just kind of a little bit, a little bit harder to press on, isn't it, without, People that are like-minded. I know Mary talked about this adopt the street, and you know Pat couldn't go to the training, but Jeremy went. And did you go too? Yes. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, it's like man, you know we I've been linking arms with Pat for ten or fifteen years, and I've known him for thirty years, and uh, you know he he will be back on some level, but. I'm kind of asking him, you know, what what level of ministry can you do? And so right now, it's just things are up in the air till his mom gets better. But anyway, I, I guess I feel like uh, Paul did about Titus. It's like, you know, I don't have that rest in my spirit. It's just a little bit tougher, you know. <clears throat> if Pat's not going to... Uh, I, I know I'm going to teach more on Friday nights. And uh, Pat, Pat did a lot of things, so... You're just getting ready to kind of step back for uh, date night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not, not for a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, so my uh, my next point there, letter C, was Paul had no rest in his spirit because his ministry team was incomplete. <clears throat> and so... Uh, yeah, that's the famous Jerry Maguire movie. Uh, he told that girl, "You complete me." She, but I mean, we're, we're complete in Christ. The Bible says. And uh, anyway, I, I gave you uh, some verses on your handout from Second Corinthians seven. So it is good that he got reconnected with Titus. It says here on your handout. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforteth us, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. And so uh, so he, do, he does get Titus back 
and I'm sure I'm going to get Pat back. But uh, anyway, these are just kind of some comparisons that I, I'm seeing. So verses 14 through 17. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin, do you want to read those back in Second Corinthians chapter 2, 14 all the way to the end, I guess. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to trump in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, and them that are saved, and in them that are that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other savor of life unto life, and to who is sufficient for these things. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God who speaks in Christ. Yeah. Now this word uh, triumph, there's a couple of good connections to that. Since we have time, I've got a little handout. I've been, I've had this for several weeks, and I haven't given it to you. I think you'll think it's cool if I can find it. Um, Angie, can I hand you this? And let, can you look through this for a picture for me? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. What kind of a picture? Yeah, what kind of? It's got some colorful rainbows on it. Rainbows. Um, anyway, I'll give that to you in a minute, so let her look for that. If, no, it's not in there. Huh? Uh, it's called Biblical Visualization. Yeah, it is. Anyway, um, so... Uh, the thing here that Kevin read in verse 14 uh, this is pretty cool he's thanking God he he always causes us to triumph and and what, what I we'll see this in just a minute but uh, he's talking about some kind of a spiritual victory So I, I had you put the word victory in your blank. <clears throat> and uh, yes, that's them. Thank you. I knew I had it in there. I think I'm going to have time for that. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. I gave you a little definition there. Triumph in Christ means complete mastery over satanic power. Look at that Colossians verse. We're pretty close by there. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So we're going to Colossians 2. And uh, Teresa, can, can you read Colossians 2, verses 14 and 15 for us? 
nailing it to the cross, or to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them. Yeah, so that, that word triumphing, in verse 15 there, uh, I mean, we don't use that word maybe very often, but th- this is what happened when Christ was crucified. It blotted out the handwriting of ordinances. So the law points out our sin. Uh, you know, all of us this morning you know, looked in a mirror to get dressed or to brush our teeth or whatever we did in the mirror but we didn't actually use the mirror to comb our hair or brush our teeth the mirror just pointed out what we needed to do right and that that's how the law is and uh but Christ so those blotting those you know Paul says that he was alive before the law was but he said uh, when he read, you know, thou shalt not covet, it says he died because he he was a covetous person, evidently, and uh, so whatever. Does that mean he was separated? Or? No, no. Covetous means. No, I mean, like you say, died. Well, he he. It means he died spiritually that day. So he was a young man studying at the feet of Gamaliel, and Gamaliel was teaching the law, and he said, you know, young man, Paul. The Bible, or Saul, the young man says, "Thou shalt not covet." And when Paul heard that, like, uh, you know, I kind of covet things. I want things I don't have. I want what my friend down the street has. And and he was uh, so anyway. So, but Christ blotted that out when we receive Him. He blots out that handwriting that's against us, and it says He triumphed over it. So He got spiritual victory, and we can get spiritual victory too, right? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so that that's uh, I think there's a place in Ephesians that says something very similar that He broke down that wall of partition that we can uh, you know there's no longer Jew or Gentile, there's no longer male or female. We're if we're in Him. And uh, all right. Uh, so verses fifteen and sixteen that Kevin read. Uh, that we we don't quite think of it like this, but there's kind of a dual fragrance. And what is that dual fragrance that Kevin or maybe it's Teresa read? Uh, one of you guys. What are the two different smells that it talks about? Yeah, one's a smell of death, the other's a smell, uh, a savor, the Bible's calling it. And two, uh, uh, the, I looked up the uh, the Greek word for savor in verse 16 is actually odor. So, you know, you've heard about the stench of death or, you know, from, from the farm, we, we had animals that died and, you know, they, after a day or two, they'd get to smelling and we, we would, uh, drag them off or, huh? Cancer does. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, we, uh, at, at our farm, they, they had like a dead animal truck and they would, you know, hook a chain and winch it and pull it in their vehicle and take them off somewhere. Uh, but the other's a sweet smelling savor. So these are two different words in, in the Greek. 
and the other is translated sweet smelling in Ephesians 5 2 but uh, so to the lost it's a savor of death unto death and this uh, I had you put the word uh, odor in your in your blank You know, uh, some real bad in the old Christians. Like if somebody comes in and they're they're new and stuff, but they they almost say they they can smell it on them, like mm. smell the, the mm. skin or whatever on them. Mm. Yeah, and so God God's given us these senses, and you remember whenever uh, the lady is right after I think it's John 12 where uh, the lady anointed Christ with the the spicknard that it was so fragrant it smelled up the whole uh, yeah the alabaster box she broke it and she anointed the Lord and it was a very sweet sm- smell that it fr- made fragrance through the whole house it says and it was a great cost to her to, yeah it was like 300 penny worth uh and so I gave you a couple things at the bottom of your first page. The ministry principle here, Christ's ministers are a sweet savor. Oh man, I'll get the tangle up. To those who accept the gospel, but an odor to those who reject it. And then uh, verse 16 that uh, Kevin read, it mentions... At the end of verse 16, it says, Who is sufficient for these things? And this uh, this word sufficient, look at chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, Emmett, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. R- read that one for us. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to make any kind of yeah I maybe misspelled this but I had you put the word uh, sufficiency in your blank there so our work is great our strength is small and we need God's sufficiency don't we none of us are sufficient to save someone Uh, let me ask you this I think think it's at, at the end it's uh, like 1 Corinthians 9. The Bible says that Paul Paul says, I became all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul says that he was able to save some. What do, what do you think of that statement? He became all things to all men that he might by all means save some. So he's a jack of all trades in ministry? He, yeah, I mean, he said to the Jew, I became as, as the law. You know, you know, you're you're a welder, Kevin. You, but you know, you uh, talk to the white collar Jaime. Hey, maybe you can come to work for my company, and so you work in the office where he works. I mean, you're not welding, but you're doing computer stuff. So you had to become, you know, like the person you're trying to minister to. And uh, but uh, the way I explain that, my my grandpa had a den. You know, you know, we we call it an office. at our house. We we changed a bedroom into an office. We call it an office. But my grandpa had a den. Does anybody else have a house with a den in it? Maybe it's called a man cave or. So my grandpa had a den. I don't know why it was called a den, but 
Anyway, uh, my grandpa used to go with his cousins up into Canada and fish. And I'm pretty sure it was a walleye or Canadian pie. He had like a 40-some inch fish on his wall. And with that fish, he had like a little lure that he caught it with. Have you ever seen something like that? So my grandpa caught the fish, but he used that lure to do it, right? I mean, the lure didn't catch the fish. My grandpa caught the fish. So so did Paul save people? No, he was the lure that God used to catch that Fish. Does that make sense? That's pretty. If you're walking around with a mopey face all the time, you're not going to be bringing people to Jesus. Yeah, you need to be kind of winsome and show the love of Christ. And uh, so, anyway, that that's what he's he's saying that our sufficiency is of Christ. We are of God. So you and I are not sufficient. So we need to rely on Him and uh, you know trust Him and pray to Him and ask Him for these open doors uh, but we, we do it by ministry, being ministry minded we keep God's word and uh, we need some fellow workers, we need to triumph in Christ and uh, we don't have this odor but our, our sufficiency is of Christ, so that's really the, the first page side of your handout, so let's look at the back side here in verse 17 it says how to distinguish between a true and a false minister and verse 17 says that uh, he says he says we're not as many so evidently there's many people that were corrupting the word of God even in Paul's day but he says we're not like that but we give God's word in sincerity as of God in fact, uh, you guys may remember this in First Thessalonians 2 where he was commending the Thessalonians. He said, when you heard the word of God from us, you didn't hear it as the word of men, but you heard it as it is in truth, the word of God. And so as we listen to the preaching this morning, uh, try to think of, we're not just hearing Brian's words, we're hearing the word of God from Brian, right? And hopefully you're hearing that from me uh, as your uh, Sunday school ABF teacher. And uh, uh, you guys that came in a little bit later, uh, we're going to meet out in the trailer next week if you're here at 9. So we're we're switched. Uh, I couldn't tell you this earlier because Randy Foster, due to his health, has stepped down from many activities. And so for a, a time, Brian Hedges is teaching Randy's class. And so uh, Brian is actively looking for someone to teach that class. So, you know, they had a, a few folks that passed away, and, and a lot of their class is involved in ministry with kids. So, you know, they've only got five or six or eight people in their class. So they're going to come in here, and we're going to go out there next week and and uh, I told Brian we probably need to put it in the church bulletin because not all of our class is here to hear that today and but uh, so anyway uh, I just thought of that uh, since you, you weren't here I think when he announced it either so next week we'll be out there at nine o'clock they've got a little curing machine and uh, so they've got a few amenities that we don't Plus, there's 50 chairs, so there's you know there's a little more room, about twice as big a room probably. And uh, so anyway, 
uh, come out there next week if you're here on at nine. So now, uh, these true ministers don't corrupt God's word, and I, I gave you uh, three different ways that they're that we can corrupt God's word. So let, let's all go to Revelation 22, the last book of our Bible, Second uh, uh, Revelation 22. It ends with a curse. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it mentions two of the ways that God's word can be corrupted here in Revelation 22. And uh, Pam, were to you if if you would read 18 and 19 of Revelation 22. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Talking about revelation. Thank you. Uh, well, that, that's a good question. So, what, what are the two ways mentioned there that God's word is corrupted? Yeah. So you can add, or uh, always put subtract. So, so there's two ways there. Now. Uh, uh, so, if you ever had like a Mormon come to your home, they might advocate the Book of Mormon, and and we would we would say that the Book of Mormon adds to the Bible because they even call it another testament. And so they've added a whole book uh, to the Bible, and they say it, it's also God's revelation. And uh, so they would say what you said, Kevin, that you know this verse in Revelation is only talking about the Book of Revelation, and the Book of Mormon doesn't really add to the Book of Revelation. But you, you can find you can find these things in the Book of Deuteronomy. You can find them in the Book of Proverbs. So. Uh, we believe, or the Bible's teaching, that really if you add to any of God's Scripture, you're adding to it. And then uh, subtracting, uh, you know, there, there's you know some verses taken out of uh, other Bibles, so there there is a taking away. And then there's a third way. If you look back uh, to Second Peter. I'm trying not to make you turn too many places. I know it's hard to hold everything, isn't it, Mary? To yes. turn your Bible and have a piece of paper. She gave up on her notebook. I gave up on the notebook. I just Did you? Paper right here. I'm sorry, Belinda. Go ahead. Did you say that even in the different versions of the Bible we have, we're adding a few Yeah, I, I do think that. Uh, yeah, there are verses, and I was going to give you some examples, but uh, I don't think I will just for sake of time. I wanted to at least talk about the three different ways. So go to Second Peter three sixteen, and here's the third way that uh, the Bible can be uh, corrupted. Uh, three sixteen, Belinda. And also, in all his epistles, 
speaking in men and these things in which are some things hard to understand. This they that are unlearned and unstable rest, that they do offer the other churches unto their own instructions. Yeah, so this this we don't use this word very often either. But uh, this is the word I had you put in your blank. This word rest. They they rest the scriptures, and uh, the word we would use is wrestling. We we rest. You know, uh, there's a whole sport called wrestling, right? And so, uh, that, but it, but it kind of means to twist. You need to pin your opponent, right? You need to wrap them up. And so the, there's another way. And Paul's saying, you know, we are true ministers. We're sincere. We don't twist the word of God. We don't rest it. It. We, we're trying to give you the pure word of God. And so my teaching point here on your on your back page is just uh, we must keep a thankful heart attitude even when some don't accept our message I gave you a verse from Proverbs you know the hope of the righteous shall be gladness but the expectations of the wicked shall perish so that was kind of going off of the sweet smelling savor to the saved and those that want the gospel and those that want to uh, follow the Lord and, and then others that uh, their heart is to reject Christ uh, so anyway that that is kind of chapter 2 and uh, is there any other thoughts about this, about corrupting? I mean, we want to be true ministers. We want to be ministry-minded. We, we don't want to add to the Bible or take away from it. We don't want to twist it and make it say something it's not. But we want to uh, present it. And uh, we, we want to trust the Lord ourselves. Let me... Uh, so I think I've got time. I'm going to see if I can pull up this video. I hope that the sound plays. If it don't play, I'm going to be... This is the best way to lose belly fat. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. It's not hard to lose belly fat if you do the... All right, I'm going to give you this. When you hear the Holy Bible... What does that phrase mean to you? Uh, here, here's a video. An old arcane book with a failed explanation on how we got here. It was written by a primitive people, and it was written for a primitive time, and it's ultimately irrelevant in the modern world. Another group of people might hear, well, it's a collection of stories, of poems, of wisdom. They're entirely human in origin, but you can find some good stuff in there, stuff that might help you get through your days. A third category of people would say, it's sacred scripture with the divine author himself for its origin. Like an intricate tapestry that's been woven together and then rolled out across time. Whichever category you fall into, most people think they already know what the Bible says, but not so fast. Maybe there's more than meets the eye. I came across a fascinating visualization of the Bible put together by a guy named Chris Harrison and Christoph Romhild, a Lutheran pastor. I'll provide a link to their research in the description of this video. What you're looking at here is a cross-section of the Bible. On the very far left, you have Genesis, and on the very far right, you have Revelation. And the various lines that you see at the bottom are the various chapters of the Bible. If you're curious, that really long line, that's Psalm 119. This is Psalm 119. You have a Vulgate numbered Bible. 
If you look closely, you can see the various books of the Bible. They alternate between a darker gray and a white all across the bottom. If you look at the top of this visualization, you can see these colorful arcs. And these are cross-references between different chapters of the Bible. So if the text in one chapter makes allusion or reference to text in another chapter, you will have a connection or an arc between them. If you look closely at the bottom, you can see the dark purple or the dark, uh, I don't know, violet. These are for references that are close or near in proximity to each other. If you look at the bottom right, you can see there's a lot of that going on in the New Testament. As you go up, the colors change according to the distance between the text, and it produces this beautiful rainbow-like visualization. Ultimately, I think this points to the unique depth or almost harmony between the text. I've never seen anything like this. I think it's absolutely fascinating. It's mysterious. And it really makes you question, hey, do I really know what this text is saying to me? I'm going to stop it there just so we... uh so I do have I did I did print this so we can all have a little copy of it uh, and I'll, I'll let that play in just a minute. So uh, uh, I think it's it's right here. I'll see. I may have to send that separate to you. Um, so I think there's 1189 chapters in the Bible. So. 1189. 1189, yep. I, I think I said that. Uh, and, you know, I obviously didn't check all these. I guess this guy found close to 65,000, you know, references or quotes or from the New Testament and the Old or even Old Testament references, other places in the Old Testament. So, anyway, I just thought it was a cool chart. I Hopefully it'll, you know boost our faith and uh, I think Belinda if you just went to uh, visualizing scripture uh, I I don't know who this guy is Uh, I did three whole I think I've got enough there for everybody if you can just take one Uh, and I do have more notebooks uh Randy, you and Sarah don't have a notebook. Let me grab one of these notebooks for you when you're done. But anyway, I just thought it was a cool little uh, visualization. L- let me uh, play the rest of it. It's just another minute here, and then we'll... Uh, if there's not enough, let me know. I yeah, if there's not enough, let me know. Uh, so I-, I was going to give you this next week, because next week talks some about the Old Testament. And how Moses had to veil his face. So, uh, so th- this is a little bit of a preparation for next week, a little bit. Uh, let, let's watch the rest of this video here, and uh, we'll be done. Maybe it deserves a second look. When you're reading any complex work, things are going to go past you, right? You're not going to understand every line as you read it. Uh, One of the greatest scripture scholars of all time named St. Augustine, he himself confessed that there was more he didn't know than what he knew of the Bible. Thanks for taking the time to watch this. I hope you got something out of it. And please, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. I'd love to... So, all right, well, uh, you left out the last book and the first book. No, okay.
<laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's just a way to to look at it. So yeah, we, we don't need that to believe, do we, Belinda? Uh, let me give you your last two blanks on your handout. The first one's bitterness. Yep, a root of bitterness. And the other one, I would like to say that uh, So, bitterness. I mean, there's some dangers of not forgiving people. And uh, there can be a schism in the body, and we know that Christ said a kingdom divided cannot stand. Uh, if, if If we don't forgive people, there's unity is not achieved. We develop a root of bitterness that uh, defiles and affects other people. And then my teaching point at the end there, uh, ministry avenues are God's method of finding your place or role. I put role in the in the body of Christ. Now, l- l- let me say this before we leave. Um, you know, one of the goals of discipleship is to be involved in ministry. That's that's kind of like when you when you're done with discipleship, uh, and, and you know, how many of you have only had one job in your entire life? Only one job ever. I've got one job for the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, maybe. So, I really had two. I had I was a farmer, and now I'm a mechanic at our, our maintenance guy. Uh, I took another job for two weeks that didn't work out. But my point is that so, sometimes you have to have different job before you find a good fit for you, don't you? And so ministry is a little bit like that. I, I mean, I know Kevin is interested in being one of our greeters, and he, he was going to be good at that. But that may not be his last place he ever ministers. And so, uh, anyway, uh, I, I just wanted to. I feel like ministry is a little bit like em, employment or, or job. You know, your your first job you ever had, you may not have made a career of it. But uh, I guess Angie did. You you've kind of done daycare. Yeah. Well, let's close up there. Uh, thank you for being here. We'll be in the trailer next. I'll try to send a reminder. But uh, come out there and uh, try to get there early. And we'll we'll set up. And I haven't been out there for a little bit myself either. So, but we'll make it work. And we'll we'll start in chapter three. And uh, Sarah, you and Randy, I'll give you a notebook. If anybody else, Sarah, does anybody else need a notebook? Everybody else got one. Okay. Well, let's uh, pray. Thanks for joining us online. Dottie and John. There's a John from Africa on there, so that's kind of cool. Oh, and uh, Jolene, remember Jolene? That used to... Yeah. Oh, Jolene has. Okay. She had her daughter. Yeah. Hey, well, I'm going to stop my recording now and then we'll.